episode of Avatar The Last Korra. Get out of my swamp! <laughs> oh, it's the Shrek episode. It's the swamp episode. Oh, man. My swamp. God. Donkey. Oh, God. Sucker. Uh, there's, yeah, so so today we're talking about two Avatar episodes and two core episodes. We got uh, Book 2, Earth, Episode 4 and 5, The Swamp and Avatar Day. And in, in Korra, yep. we've got 9 and 10 of Book 2, Spirit, uh, The Guide, and A New Spiritual Age. Um, it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. These None of these really stick out that much, so maybe no. you can just skip this one if you want. Yeah, this one's fine. It's whatever. Uh, it's okay. It's a lot of filler, question mark, maybe? Like it's definitely... I, I think that there's a lot of like plot-ish things in Korra, but they're just so dumb, and they have so little impact, that yeah. you might as well just skip it. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, but you can, you can stick you can around if us. you want to hear us bitch about the, the Legend of Korra's terrible use of the spirit world again, which yeah, is always fun. Yeah, that'll be in here. Um, also, we'll talk about... Just, I don't know. I feel like it's a very controversial episode of Avatar. Uh, Swamp? Avatar Day. No, Avatar Day. Oh, I feel like well, we'll a lot get of there. Yeah, feelings. let's talk about the swamp first. All right, let's talk about the swamp. So, I missed the swamp when this uh, these episodes were first airing. So oh, really? I totally missed out on like the foreshadowing of Toph and stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, but wild. yeah, like going back, like uh, this episode is kind of lame it's kind of a lame episode yeah it's like it's kind of whatever um but I, but i think it is interesting to look at in conjunction with cora and the way cora uses the spirit world um because in a lot of ways i feel like the swamp which is in the real world almost feels more mystical and magical and spiritual than the way cora uses the spirit world which is a little bit yeah, wild i agree with that you know like yeah oddly like, enough this episode opens with the b plot so and it's yeah. really like short like it's and the shortest b plot i've ever seen the the b plot bookends this episode so it, yeah. it opens with zuko and iroh begging for money and iroh's like and eh, you know it, it's life and it's kind that people give anything at all like he's he's just right grateful you know for what they you get. have to learn to accept your place in the world you're not a prince anymore you're just like everybody else and you were always that way you were always just like everybody else right but, you just had privilege you know, now you have to accept it yeah um so you know iroh's trying to be positive see the best in people zuko's not into it um, and then there's a, a guy who comes along who gives them a gold piece, but only after sort of like torturing them into entertaining to his satisfaction. Um, and so then at the very end of the episode, we see Zuko as the blue spirit steals the guy's swords and it's implied that he's not going to take being poor lying down. He's an anti-hero. He steals yeah. from the rich and gives to himself. <laughs> but he doesn't even steal from the rich. He just steals from people, as we'll see later. Well, he's got gold coins. I mean, that's rich enough, man. I mean, yes, there is definitely some rich people going on, but, like, some of it is just, like, people. Right. Meanwhile, uh, Aang and the gang are flying around. I have no idea where they're headed. 
Yeah, they're like, just where are they blind. going? It's never really like you know. I guess trying to find him a teacher? Question mark. Right, because they're usually located in the air. <laughs> I mean, but they right. isn't that the joke? That's the joke from the Ember Island players. It's like oh my God. <laughs> we're looking for an airbending teacher. Well, you can't look up in the air. Got to look on the ground. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Guys, I can't In wait. In any case, they that. get brought down by a tornado. Big bad tornado over well, a so swamp. Aang feels like the swamp's calling to him. Everyone else is like, Aang, you're crazy. This place is cursed. Let's get the fuck out. And he's like, okay. But then a cyclone comes and it strands them. And it makes Appa and Momo go off on a buddy cop adventure in one part <laughs> of the swamp. And Aang and Sok and Katara are in one part of the swamp. Uh, and, you know, there's more Sokka humor of, like, things keep attaching to him or attacking him or he causes his own sort of He gets trouble. an elbow leech. He does. I just Where love the phrase elbow leech. I, I mean, I love the whole scene. He goes, where is it? And Katara's like, where do you think? It's on your elbow. <laughs> but of course. Yeah. Um, I think Appa, Appa and Momo sort of on their own, like, that works. Like, they totally have a lot works. of personality. They have so much personality. And, like, we didn't talk about this uh, last episode when we talked about the Cave of Two Lovers, but at the very end of that right. episode, um, uh, Momo is, was also separated from Appa. He was with Egg and Katara. Right. And, and so he's, he's, like, chattering to him, yeah, kind of like, explaining the story. <laughs> Right, like telling them what happened. And it's just like such a cute, small moment, but it really goes a long way to like develop these characters' personalities in the background and like show that like, no, even like Appa and Momo are just straight up friends. Like we never get a scene yeah. like that between Naga and the like other thing. What's it called? What's its name? We never get any personality from either of them. They're really just like animals. Yeah, know? yeah. They're just aminals. They go. They got aminal they just, friends. They just go roar or squeak and do it. And they don't really trick. bring them with them on adventures most times. Nope. Like, nope. when's the last time you saw Naga even? Like uh, ten she, episodes ago. She threatened that guy in like episode four or whatever. Yeah, that was literally Six you know episodes four episodes ago. ago. Six uh, episodes ago. Jeez. And, like, we just haven't seen her because she poses, she's, she has no, like... She's irrelevant. Like, she's not utilitarian. She's not a good, you know, utility for the group. But she's also just doesn't have any personality. Exactly. <laughs> she's just a bear. She's just a bear. Anyway, so we're in the swamp. Um, <laughs> the, the gang ends up getting separated. Oh, well, so then we also, you know, we get more of, like, Sokka's, like, nature's dumb. I don't have to respect it. It's just a swamp. There's nothing mystical. Science logic. But it's really, like, weird to have him still at this point in the show being, like, the the internet atheist. Like, it made sense in The Fortune Teller. But, like, why does he have to be, like, on r slash atheist all the time? Like, he's literally he's, surrounded by magic all the time. He's a 15-year-old boy, and he's like, yeah, that's different magic, though. Like, His girlfriend is the moon, currently. <laughs> is currently literally the moon. Like, you kind of lost your opportunity to be skeptical. Yeah, but he still is. Uh, so I don't know what to tell you. And it, But he continues I, to be the skeptic, like, forever. I mean, I don't even know if he really continues to do that. Like... 
when we get to like the the painted lady way off in the future, like he's quick to assume that it is like a painted lady spirit that's helping them. I mean, I guess that's true. Like, is there like another time that you can think of later on that that he is really skeptical of some magic? Um. I don't know that it's he's he's skeptical of magic. I guess it's just that he he looks at magic in a very pragmatic way. Um, so I think for him, right. it's like if I can't understand this magic, then I feel like it's hooey. And I think he just becomes better at understanding magic. Sure. I guess he doesn't really care about like spiritualism or connecting to nature in any way. Right. And he doesn't like the idea that plants could be alive and have and feel pain. Right. Um, Which apparently so... they do in this swamp. <laughs> yeah, because it's a magic swamp. Because um, the swamp basically just starts attacking them and separating them and giving them horrible nightmare visions. Well, it gives them... They each have, like, a, a spiritual moment thing that leads them to the center of the swamp. So for Katara, she sees what she thinks is her mom, but it turns out to just be a log. And then for Sokka... Yeah. We have some, like, guilt from Yue, because he sees her. Uh, and it turns out she, to also be a log. It's it's a log slash a moon, sl- like a sunbeam. Um, but she goes, you didn't protect me. And Sokka's clearly guilty and shit. Um, Doesn't and really then, come back, though. Not that much. Not super much. Well, I mean, it does a little bit, but... Only vaguely. I guess it's it's more subtle, which, yeah. you know, that's, well, that's that can fine. be positive. I, I don't mind yeah. that. Um, meanwhile, Aang sees Aang, like a laughing girl with a flying pig. And it turns like, out to be a log. Uh, yeah, it's all just a log. Uh, but they all run back into each other at, at the big tree in the heart of the swamp. And then a spirit monster attacks, but it's just a dude. But it turns out vibes. to just be a log. <laughs> no, just a dude. Uh, dude bending some vines. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I think so this, this is, is like also... a fun new waterbending thing. Right, so this is our first example of, um, like, someone waterbending something that's not just water or snow. Um, like, yeah. it's, I'm bending the water inside plants, which, like, that's a really fascinating new application of um, bending. And I think a lot of season two really starts to explore that, too, because we get... Um, you know, sand benders and we get, uh, spoiler alert, metal benders. Um, we, we get lightning. Uh, the, the only one that we don't really get a new, like, bending it's for, air. for is air. Cause there's only one guy. Yeah. There's only one guy. Uh, there's only he, one guy. If we but, had more guys, then we'd find more air bending techniques. But like, if, if we're supposed to think that like air is sort of the more spiritual element, um, you know, Aang certainly does go on a spiritual journey and, like, has to explore that part of himself a lot more in this season. Um, That's true. Which is not necessarily a technique, but it's, it's definitely maybe a deeper exploration. Um, so, so, I don't know. I just think it's interesting that we're really starting to see this diversity of things that you can do with bending and different bending styles. Because um, also in the swamp, the, the other B-plot is Appa and Momo are being chased by some swamp hicks. Who are also waterbenders, but they're they the do, Bayou Boys. They do swamp style, uh, and they just want to eat Appa. They want to fry him up, uh, but then 
after Aang and Katara and Sokka realize that the guy inside the the giant spirit grass monster is just a guy, they have a conversation where he's like, we're all connected, we're all one being, we all have the same Which is roots. why I try to kill anything that <laughs> enters a swamp. I know, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I, we're we gotta We're all connected, life and death is just part of a cycle. So Time's if you chop a plant in half with a sword in order to walk through a swamp that you didn't even want to be in, then you deserve death. Right, like, it's, it's very strange. Um, also, like... The minute he stops attacking them and finds out Aang's the Avatar, he's like, oh, come with me. And then they just do. Like, they just call <laughs> this guy who's, like, attacking them. And it's like, okay, I well, guess. Well, they're curious. They're like, who are you? What are What's you? Why on? are you attacking us? Like, I'm very confused. All right. Please so then, explain. So then, but basically, Aang is able to use some, like, spiritual connection with the tree to find Appa and Momo as part of it being all part of the same thing. Uh, and then they stop the the guys from eating them, and they have, like, a bug feast, and Sokka's like, no, it was all just people living in a swamp, being weird and waterbenders, and Aang's, Aang's mystical finding of Appa and Momo was just, uh, you know, that was Avatar stuff. That, that happens. Yeah, that well, was Avatar stuff that doesn't count as magic, which is or, an interesting thing where anything that you figure out what it is and can put a name to it, it's no longer magic. magic. Even though it's clearly magic, it just has rules. Right, right. It's the difference between hard and soft magic, and Sokka doesn't believe in soft magic. He's like, no, that's mumbo jumbo. But, hard but this magic, universe yeah, has soft magic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's... You meditate in order to get into the spirit world. Right, like there's not a lot of rules to that, but but you again, this you, is what you can't I... like mathematically derive a, a way to develop a portal into the physical spirit world. That won't come until Korra. Korra. <laughs> then you just gotta open the one at the North and South Pole. Duh. Right, you gotta mathematically reason out, you know, and like uh, only certain people matter? have the ability to open the portal, and you have to have the key. Blah blah blah. Right, I, I I think. I think Sokka, again, this is what I'm going to, what I was saying earlier with him, you know, there's magic he understands and magic he doesn't, and the magic yeah, he doesn't right. understand is fake, and he doesn't like it, but the magic he does yeah. understand, he's like, well, that's fine, I, I get it. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not like Sokka's dumb, I mean, he's no. a genius world-class detective. <laughs> yes, as we, we are seeing in uh, Avatar Day, the next episode, where... Yeah. So, it, it opens up with, uh, with Aang and the decide. gang getting... What? I can never decide if I like this episode or not. I like it. I mean, it's just kind of a goofy, like, fun side quest. Uh, so, I mean, like, it's filler. Like I, But I it like is. filler, and I've said that already. I, yes. I like the filler. I mean, especially filler like this where we're actually building character, you know, like there's Yeah, we're building character, that... but more so we're building lore. I don't think there is actually that much character development in this one, but it just builds out the world and it builds out the lore, and that's fun. Sure. So we start out and uh, the gang is getting uh, attacked by the Rough Rhinos. Yeah. They're like the Rough Riders, but with rhinos. Rhinos. <laughs> I wonder which one is Teddy Roosevelt. 
Yeah. Um, I guess the main one who's a firebender. Um, but they all have like different weapons. Some of them got explosives, which seems like if you're the firebending guy with explosives, you're like the least important member of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they all have different weapons and they're all designed really interestingly. Um, yes, I think this like speaks really a little unique. bit to, yeah, I think this speaks a little bit to, to like the difference between like this show and, and Korra as well. Like Korra will occasionally introduce like side antagonists, but uh-huh. they usually don't have any design elements to them and they don't mm-hmm. come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in this show, if you're going to have like a new baddie for the episode, they're going to be really interestingly designed. They're going to come back just like those pirates did last season. Right. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's a cool guy don't doesn't look at explosions moment where Aang sort of just, like, poofs the, the one explosive away. Um, but Sokka ends up losing his boomerang because there's time to go back for Katara's scroll and Aang's staff, but but not his boomerang. Uh, Sad. And there's the, the great little exchange where he's like, I feel like I lost a piece of my identity. Like, Aang, imagine if you lost your arrows or Katara lost her... Hair loopies. <laughs> yeah, gets me the things every that he time. thinks define other people's identities. <laughs> it's just these aesthetics. Which is, like, interesting because this does become, like, a character... Like, I don't know if this was a character trait before for Sokka, but it certainly becomes one for him. Where he that really he's likes... shallow? Yeah, where that he likes props and aesthetics and, like... Yeah, like, he's just really into Certainly aesthetics. in the rest of the episode. <laughs> I mean, certainly in the rest of the episode, yes. But, like, you know, later when uh, Aang wins the, like, earthbending belt, uh, you know, and he gets, like, a a bag, and he's very into that, and then, like, Mm -hmm. it it continues. Like, he he continues continues to be into looking good and looking into the, looking the part, basically. He's the, Um, I think, more more than anything, he's the stuff guy. He's the only guy who really cares about his stuff. He does care about his stuff. Um, but yeah, so he loses his, his, is a boomerang, boomerang and then they go into town and it turns out it's Avatar day and they're like, cool, a fun festival for the Avatar. This is great. Uh, and Sokka's really impressed with this guy's torch. She's like, oh, that's a good prop. That's manly. Love that. Uh, but then turns out it's a they... prop that's used to burn all the Avatars in effigy. Katara, of course, jumps in and, like, puts out the fire because she just, like, can't not, you know? Like, she can't not anything all the time. Yeah. Like, like, what is it about waterbenders that they're so fucking, like, impulsive? No, you know? I mean, like, Katara, like, her defining trait isn't that she's impulsive, but she just, like, refuses to, to like, give one second to anybody who she thinks is wrong, which yeah. she's usually right that they're wrong, but, like, but, like she just, she just has no any... patience for people just being ignorant. No, none. She, is, she really is a social justice warrior. <laughs> she social is. Social justice bender. Yeah, um, and so uh, Aang's like, why do you all hate me so much? And they're like, because you murdered our leader. And Aang's like, no, uh And they're like, yeah, huh? And then he's like, I'll prove it. And they're like, okay, but you gotta pay bail, and you gotta go by our rules. 
and then they don't take yeah. Water Tribe money, so he gets locked in jail. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, it's interesting. It's about the idea that, like, the justice system isn't always just, and it's yeah. it's sort of also capturing the idea that, like, because of cultural differences, a hero to some might be a villain to others. Right. Um, and, like, it's it's all about, like, perspective and how, from their perspective, you know, he's guilty and therefore he deserves anything that's coming to him. But from his perspective, you know, well, you know, I'm just trying my best. You know, I, I'm not responsible for what my past lives have did. The, right. You know, it's, there's some interesting thematics going on, but it is generally a pretty silly episode because yeah. what happens next? Um, so, you know, Aang convinces Sokka and Katara to, like, help him prove his innocence for a crime that happened 300 years ago. And Sokka's like, that's impossible. And Aang's like, not for a world-class detective. And Sokka buys into it and then gets some props. He gets a hat with a, with an eyepiece so he can be Yeah, apparently this is, like, what a detective looks like in their universe. So there must be some kind of... Avatar world equivalent Sherlock Holmes. I mean, I love it. I'm into it. I, I believe Sokolok Holmes is a universal constant. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Katara naturally becomes a Watson, but it's kind of a, an interesting perspective, like a role reversal, because Watson is just as smart as Sherlock. <laughs> right. So she but Sherlock keeps, just like, wants all the credit. Yeah, so she keeps solving all the crimes before he gets a chance to. Um, and they're just kind of dueling over the lead detective role, which is pretty like funny. It, yeah, it's just good sibling dynamic, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah. sorry, my lord. I'll let you solve it this time. You know, like, it's 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 right. a good, good comedy. There's it also reminds me of uh, the, the episode of Community where uh, Shirley and Annie are like a buddy cop movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but they, they both decide. have equal claim to both the good naive cop and the tough grizzled uh, bad cop. So yeah. they just both try and be the bad cop, and it doesn't work. Because <laughs> they're both trying to break out of their roles. Right. So uh, it's it's similar here, you know, where like they're both trying to be head detective, and so you get to play all those tropes in kind of a funny way. Yeah. Um. So so it turns out that what it is is. Avatar Kiyoshi uh, killed their leader by throwing him off a cliff or something, and then like that, like that's it. That's that's what they think the crime is. But they right. they find out that the the statue is the same age as you know. They find all these clues that that point right. So the statue, the, the statue of um, Shin the Conqueror was supposedly. Uh, built after the murder had taken place, um, and but it was made from the same stone that they were saying that Kiyoshi... Uh, the, the temple. The temple that Kiyoshi was coming Merged out of to kill from. Shin. Yeah. So they have was... uh, footprints of where Shin was standing, but then they go to Kiyoshi Island and find some boots that suggest that Kiyoshi could not have made those footprints because her feet were freakishly big. big. Yeah, she a big lady. She like, big. She tall. Um, She's an Amazon. Um, truly. And uh, then, like, the third clue was that on the exact date of the uh, of the murder, she mm -hmm. w she was painted in a tapestry on Kiyoshi Island. At uh, sunset. At sunset. Which is, which is the same time that the yeah. supposed murder took place. 
so they they're like, all right, we've got some great some great evidence, and then the the town leader is like, no, it's justice, as in just us. Uh, like evidence doesn't matter. Yeah, well, they just say stories. like it wasn't that evidence doesn't matter. It was just that like the accused doesn't get counsel. Um, so like. Even though Sokka and Katara have a really good case, they're not allowed to present evidence. It's just every, each person presents their account, and then it's decided by the the judge. Right, but but the judge is one of the people who presents an account, and then the judge right. also decides who's correct, which is definitely right. So it's not a, a fair trial, suspect. really. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting because they point out, you know, that. Not sometimes, you know, even though you want to do the right thing in a society, like you just can't because the society is not built fairly. Right. Um, and so Ang and Katara or Ang and Sokka are trying to or oh my god, Katara and Sokka are trying to tell Ang, like, let's just leave. And Ang's like, No, I need people to trust me in order to be the avatar and I'm kind of like, Eh, do you need all of them to trust you? Like, well, it's, it's so interesting because in Korra, literally no one in the world trusts Korra with anything. Right. At all. <laughs> and Aang anything. is so far ahead, but he's just, like, really, like, micromanaging all of their respect for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every person in every town has to like me except for the Fire Nation. And I'll win their respect once I kill their leader. Um, right. But, uh-huh. you know, he just really wants to prove his innocence, which, you know, I, I can respect that. Yeah, so so they go to the trial. Ang does a really bad job of. Uh, no, it's really off. funny. Like he just can't remember what the evidence is. Like he's so confused by it, he's and that's like, such like a ten-year-old are... way of presenting the he's evidence. Like, my feet are really big, but like obviously, as Ang, his feet are small, so I couldn't leave the footprints. And your statue matches your temple. Um, and <laughs> like I he doesn't a... understand why that's evidence. He's right. just like, I, they're made out of the same rock, so that's nice, same, very yeah. pretty, very aesthetically pleasing. Also, I was in a painting at sunset, so there you go. Didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's one of the funniest scenes. Um, and then they spin the wheel of wait, punishment. Wait, wait, wait! No, 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 not yet. Because then they're like, oh shit! As a hail mary, they dress him up in Kiyoshi's clothes. And right as a verdict is about to be delivered, Kiyoshi takes over Aang's body and tells the real story, uh, which is oh, that yeah, that's right. Chin was not Chin the Great. He was a conqueror, uh, and he was conquering the entire Earth Kingdom, and he tried to conquer their village, and Kiyoshi was like, fuck no. And so she split the island off from the mainland, uh, and then that also killed him. And it's, like, this right. really badass scene of her, like, literally creating an island. Uh, it's really, like, a compromise at the end of the day. Like, yeah. she's saying, you cannot have this village. That's not going to happen. But I'm not going to fight you back, you know, to keep you out. Um, I'm just going to take my... I'm, I'm going to take my son and leave. Um, right. I'm taking you know, my ball and I'm going to take home. my island and go. Yeah. Um, though, like, she did straight up say, she's like, yes, I did kill him, but he was a threat. And that's, like, what avatars do, is they neutralize Oh, well, she doesn't say that until later. At this point, she just says, like, you know, like, I killed him, but it was, you know, it was kind of his fault, because he fell into the lava. Because he just was stubborn and refused to move. It's not until literally the series finale that we get her, like, saying, I would have killed him if I had to. 
Okay. Uh, but but like she doesn't shy away from the fact that like yes she was no, responsible she's guilty, for yeah. his death. Uh, so then like Ang's like whoa what happened? Shara's like oh you kind of confessed. So then he's got to spin the wheel of punishment. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know it's all these ridiculous ways to die like being eaten by bears or like fed yeah. to sharks. Uh, and he lands on boiled in oil. But just at that moment, those rough rhinos come back, and, you know, they, they're they attacking the town, and yeah. the, the mayor's like, ah, save us! And Ang's like, oh, sorry, but I gotta get boiled. And he's like, alright, fine, you have community service. Serve the community and defeat those. And then we get a fun action sequence. Sokka gets his boomerang back, and everyone's like, yay, the Avatar! And so they re- do Avatar Day, and now it's in celebration of the day that Aang saved the town, and they don't fry their festival food anymore because he wasn't boiled in oil. And it ends with yeah. the gang going, worst town ever. Yeah, you know, like, I, there was a lot of just, like, us explaining the plot for this one and not as much commentary. And I just but, feel like, like it kind of speaks for itself, you know? There's not a lot of, like, extra commentary. It's a fun detective mystery that is a slight critique of justice system and the difference of cultural norms in the way justice is performed. And, like, that's about it, you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, in the B-plot, it's just more the blue spirit is robbing rich people. Yeah. And then in the end, uh, Zuko and Iroh decide to split up. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, but, okay, I do want to say this one thing, because Iroh gives him a little speech. And we're going to get some yeah. other speeches in Korra's. Um, yeah. But he goes, the best tea tastes good, like, no matter, like, the, the pot you're doing it in. And then he also says, uh, in the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. That is the meaning of inner strength. And I just want to contrast this with stuff he says later. So I didn't think that was that a great speech. I thought it was, very, like, very platitudinous. You know? I mean, Sure. Like, well, it's not the we'll best. see which speech you're trying to compare it to. Maybe it's way worse. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the guide. Yeah. Is it the Hitchhiker's oh, well, Guide? Is it is it Ned's Declassified Guide? Uh, yeah, it's just a spiritual guide. It's Jinora. She can see spirits. Jinora's apparently. the guide. She she can see them. They're cute little bunnies, and they lead. So them. this was foreshadowed, I think, in one episode for like a second. But I can't was even remember it? which one. Maybe it wasn't even. I don't know that it was. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just it's like fine. she could see spirits now. I mean, whatever. Why not? Because she's special. Like when I remember when Iroh could see spirits, and it was like it had to do with like his long journey of self discovery, and like the fact that you know he's such an old and wise individual. Yeah. Well, Janora could just see him because she's special. I mean, I don't hate it. Like, there are people who are just kind of special in the Avatar universe. Well, at least it just serves a function. But, like, there's nothing inherent about Janora's character that makes her more spiritual or more innocent or, or anything than the other characters. Right. Like, it, it almost seems like something that would be, like, more fitting for Iki or, or something. Right, especially because considering... she has imaginary friends. Well, she has imaginary friends, but then, like, we also had this whole moment with her earlier. Um, like, like we've already been diving right, into her Right, of her siblings more. not taking her seriously. 
Right, and this would be certainly something that, like, her siblings would have to take seriously and respect her about. Um, so it, it might have made more sense to have done Iki in this role, but we've got Janora, and it's fine. I like Janora in this role. She's fine. Well, at least she just has a character now, which she didn't at all in season one. Yep. Um, yeah, so we start off with Cora showing up and explaining all of the revelations from the, the last two-parter, and then uh, Tenzin <laughs> hilariously says, I, I knew this, this would happen. happen. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously now... he didn't, and that's kind of showing a character flaw in him, but I don't think that character flaw ever gets seriously addressed as nope. to like how bad of a teacher he is and how full of himself he is. Yep, it's never addressed, which is... One of the reasons I don't love Tenzin. Um, but he's fine. Everyone's just fine. Uh, Tenzin, so Tenzin's got to help Korra get into the spirit world. But we find out he's never been to the spirit world. Uh, and so... Yeah, but he's so like pompous that he's like, I have to be the one to do this because I'm the chosen one. Right. Um, even when he's not. <laughs> like, Korra didn't even choose him. Right. Though I will say... I gotta give Cora a little bit of credit in this episode because there is some growth here. She's like, she's like, I, I was wrong for being so quick to dismiss you and your teachings and like everything that you've worked so hard, like on me for, um, and And she is that. And, and she says like, Unalak only taught me for his benefit, but like you taught, teach me for mine. And like, like that's some self awareness that and like Yeah, it's not true. I mean he's just teaching her because he thinks it's his destiny and like right. it's how he would please his dead father. So <laughs> you know it's, it's not, not great. Not selfless. Yeah. Um but in any case, okay. yeah, so they just spend the whole episode like you know, futzing around. There's some bats. Uh yeah. It's very dull. And then eventually they decide that Janora will actually take Korra into the spirit world. Yep. And that's about it for the A plot. Uh, yeah, there was the a weird line somewhere in there where, like, they're just flying around and Janora's like, uh, hey, yeah, I saw, like, this spirit, glo- this weird carving glowing at a temple once. And Korra's like, did you see it on the night of the, uh, of the Solstice? Whoa! That's, that's crazy! That's when portal. I opened the portal! <laughs> Whoa, weird! It's like, does that have any significance? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, because when that happened, I was like, is this significant? Maybe I'm just missing it. Okay, whatever. That's what I was thinking of when I was talking about the setup for her being more spiritual. Mm. It was that. But, like, at the time, I thought that the implication was just that, like, she, she just happened to be there to when the spirit it. portal opened, that anyone right. would have seen it if they were there. Right, exactly. Ugh. Well, anyway, in the B-plot where we're dealing with uh, war profiteering. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really progress, like, th- that much until the end. Uh, no. It's basically just Mako's still, like, trying to convince people of the obvious facts that are laid out in front of him. Right, and everyone's like, you're crazy. Uh, and then Varric, like, th- calls him over and threatens Asami and Bolin to try to pressure Mako to drop it. And, like, he's like, hey, I'll give you a job, buddy. Join me. And yeah, and he's like, still very delightful you. about it, which I yeah. like. Like he's he really does work as a villain. Uh, he does. And, and I, I really got to give credit to this season 
Like For, with Varric as a villain. Yeah, he's very good as a villain because he's just always got multiple motives and multiple like plans going on well, in his crazy head. Well, and he's <laughs> charming, and he doesn't immediately read as villain, so it's interesting right. for us to like watch things going on with it's him. It's believable. Whereas, like, it's yeah. Whereas, like with Unalak, from day one, we're like, "There's something weird about you." Why the fuck yeah. would Korra ever trust you? And then... Like, like I buy that both day... Asami and Bolin would fall for his charms. Right. And then, like, for day... Like, with Unalak, also, from day three, we're like, oh, you're just straight up evil. And, like, right. you no, literally want to Like, you worship the devil. Evil. Like, okay. You're a devil-worshipping Satan monster. Who's starting a civil war. <laughs> like, cool. Right. You're bad, you know, but like Varric's interesting. <laughs> Ooh, you're bad. <laughs> you know, Varric, yeah. Varric's got some interesting themes going on, and it, it's yeah. just a shame that we don't spend more time with him as a main antagonist. Um, right, but instead what we get is uh, he he sets up Mako for the crime framed. of stealing these, stealing these robot tanks. Right. Um, uh, but also and the way that they do it is they just pay the triple threats to tell the police that they saw one of their cops committing a crime. Yeah. And then Lynn is like, well, I've got to, I've got to uh, research any leads. I got to follow any leads that come in the door, I guess. Oh. Except for the ones literally put on your desk by a beat cop who has <laughs> definitive evidence of who committed a terrorist attack. Ugh, she's the worst police chief. <laughs> so bad and just like immediately in his closet they find money and explosives and it's just like okay cool good and job like, oh so i'm guessing those Guilty. weren't planted there right like what are you talking about why would he about? need explosives he's a firebender he's exactly exactly it's <laughs> it's so insane. Also, she's the Asami, worst cop. Asami and fucking Mako are dating again now. I guess after that weird kiss, where he was like, "Whoa, I just broke up with." Korra. No, they're like awkwardly not dating. Is what's happening. Okay, they're like not dating, but then Asami come over and is like, "I can take your mind off of how stressed you are," and then they like make out and like. They don't make out. He like she like lightly touches his shoulder. No, they kiss. Oh, they do kiss. You're they right. Straight up and then kiss. that's when the police break in. Yeah. Like they're making out and then they're, they're like, it's the police. Open up. <laughs> no kissing allowed. <laughs> Ten feet apart. It's the kissy police. Oh my god. It's bad. And so that's the entire the guide. Like I that's feel like we guide. had more to talk about in the filler episodes than we did with the guide. Well, it's just like a bunch of nothing. Uh, it doesn't like advance the plot that much. Nope. You know, they just were kind of building up to like a twist at the end. It just with, like creeps uh, forward. Yeah, it just creeps the plot forward. <sighs> so now we've got a new, a new spiritual, spiritual age. age. Which bad title? Like, what? How is any of this a new spiritual age? Like, I feel like it's like a reference to something, but I just don't get it. I I just don't understand it. Because it's just Korra and Janora like, fucking around in the spirit world, and then there's some shit right. at the end. 
But like It's like the least like progressing the plot spirit world episode I've ever seen. Oh like my every God. other time we go to the spirit world, it really progresses the plot forward in like a significant way. And right. in this one it's just dicking around. It's it really is. And like this is where I think, you know, like last uh last episode I sort of talked about in in beginnings the sort of shrinkage of the the mythical from the spirit world. Um, and how it, it yeah. felt like more Alice in Wonderlandy, and like this one is just straight up Alice in Wonderland, you know? Yeah, there's like, literally a tea party. There's a tea party with like fantastical yeah. creatures. It's like it's it's ridiculous. And they get they get into the world by chasing a rabbit. Yep. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that, but yep, you're entirely right. Wow. I mean, like it's not unintentional. Like it's intentional. I just don't understand why they're doing it. Right, or what it really adds, like... Nothing. Like, nothing. It just means it's they don't have to actually come up with stuff on their own. They can just draw from the already well-understood, um, you know, English literature canon. canon. Right. Uh, and yeah, so basically we, we show up in the spirit world, and immediately there's a bunch of, like, threats. So, like, they find some groundhogs, and they're a threat. And well, like, Genora... apparently... Janora wanders on ahead, so they get separated, and then the groundhogs are like, you're stupid, Takora. And then... Well, yeah, they, apparently Unalak has been, like, going around the spirit world, convincing all of them that he's, like, their savior. Or something. I don't even Off know. screen. It's very confusing, because apparently he's he's made friends with prairie dogs and Wan Tong, the owl god of uh, knowledge from, yeah. the, from the original series. Yeah. You know, with the library and shit. Yeah, we'll get to that part. I have some <sighs> fucking issues. But, you know, to start, we've got, like, big old crocodile monsters. we got spooky Ben 10 ghosts. We've got, <laughs> they uh, are such Ben 10 ghosts. Oh. Yeah, they are. I mean, there's ghosts in Ben 10, but they, they look like this. Um, and then you've got uh, My Neighbor Totoro shows up. Yeah, and, you know, Korra gets scared when she and Janora are separated in, like, this weird spirit river, uh, and then she's a child, and then she finds a bird. Right, which is kind of Alice in Wonderland-y, right? Yes. I mean, like, she doesn't change age in Alice in Wonderland, but she is a little girl, and then there is size and shape changes in Alice in Wonderland, right. so. Right. And, like, I, I don't know, just as a creative decision, making Korra a child is very... It seems strange, because to me, it, it sort of signals that, like, Korra is incredibly immature, which, like, she is. But I feel like that's not what the show has been trying to imply up until I now. I think it's just intended to make the spirit world more whimsical. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, the 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 spirit world has gone from feeling mystical and mythic to feeling, like, whimsical. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like, sometimes it's a scary whimsy, but it's still whimsy. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas is whimsical. Right. Uh. Anything Tim Burton does. So she, she runs into Iroh, who's there in the spirit I don't know why he's there. I don't like that he's there. Yes, it makes sense with the continuity. I don't like it. It It must stop. I don't like it either. It must stop. Because, like, why? I don't... 
What does he's it add? just a dead guy who's just there infinitely because the writers like him so much. I and mean, wouldn't a wise like and like passionate figure be somebody who could, you know, cope with death and, right. and naturally pro- progress to the next life? You know, I mean, these characters are supposed to reincarnate, right? Yeah. Like he's the, technically the, it's, stopping off his life, his, his chance to continue on. And eventually achieve achieve actual enlightenment, if or or maybe this is what enlightenment is in the Avatar universe, which is even worse. Like enlightenment is just you get to spend your life with a bunch of incestuous frogs. Yeah, like I, it's it's so strange. I ugh. I don't know why there's incestuous frogs at the I tea don't, party. I don't wait, like why it. are they incestuous? Because they are conjoined twins, and that typically doesn't happen unless you're siblings. Oh, I, I, I guess. I, I didn't. They're read either it. they're either clones or siblings or. They just look you know, similar. But they're connected. They're they. It's one frog with two heads. Ugh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. Like, I just wait, it's it's frog one frog incest. with two heads. Yes. I can't with that. That's crazy. All right, it's frog <laughs> incest. You're totally right. It, it's yeah. bad. Um, um. But but. So Cora's well, having Were you gonna a say something about the teapot and the fact that uh, yeah. that it it's kind of contradicts what uh Iro said in the the last episode that uh. Tea, good tea is good even in the poorest teapot and then in this yeah. one he says that the teapot this is, is makes the teapot. tea so much better yeah you can taste hope in it because it's the one <laughs> that that rava was in but like yeah. cora literally has rava inside of her technically so like shouldn't she feel hope all the time or something like it doesn't make a lot of sense also how yeah, do you cora, find it like child cora says literally literally says the line i have light inside which is one of the cringiest lines oh, i've ever it's heard so bad. it's so bad there's a lot of like light and dark like i feel like iroh gives the same speech like eight different times in this episode where <laughs> let me see if i wrote them all down or if i just wrote down the one um oh well also there's this idea that like your emotions affect the spirit world, which like was not a thing we saw to be true necessarily. Right. When I was mean, there. I'd believe that that could be the case that your emotions affect the spirit world, but could it not be in such like a legitimate one-to-one thing where right. like, if you believe in yourself a lot, uh, then you this get to defeat all the bad guys and everyone's nice to you. And right. if you, if you're sad, then everything tries to attack you and kill you. Right, and that doesn't seem very balanced. Like, balance is, like, acknowledging that those emotions have a place in you. You know, like, Zuko's right. whole It's not very, yeah. It's like, about acknowledging Never experience joy, never experience too much joy or too much sadness, or else the bad monsters are going to get you. Right, like, it's, like, it's just so strange. Um, I just like the idea, like, um, I, I, you know the two wolves uh, speech, or the two wolves, like, allegory where, you know, inside us there are two wolves. Mm-hmm. One 
<laughs> one is good and one is bad. And you know which one lives? The one you, the one feed. you feed. Yeah. Right. And that's basically the speech that Iroh gives to Korra. <laughs> but it totally works with that meme version where they say, inside you there are two wolves. One is gay, the other is gay. You are gay. <laughs> Well, we'll get to that later. Um, we'll get to that later. But, Cora, but, inside you there are two wolves. Yeah, Cora goes on this stupid adventure where she has to help a bird, I guess. Because they're like, well, we don't have Naga because she's a dumb dog. So let's give her a spirit bird, pal, I guess. It's That's really fine. just a side quest because we're filling for time for some yeah. reason. Uh, so, so while all this is going on, Janora ends up at the, like, Wang Shitong Library of Knowledge with, uh, all the fox assistants, and there's a stupid scene where the owl doesn't know how radios work, and she explains it, and then the owl's like... I thought that, that scene was kind of charming in its own way, like, this is, like, the, the modern world viewed from the perspective of ancient spirits. I mean, Um, yes, but, like, at the same time, the... Like, the whole idea of Wang Shitong is that, like, he he's this, like, literal knowledge spirit. And, like... He's a collector he, of knowledge. He doesn't just know things via his powers, though. Right, He just gets right. knowledge from around the world from foxes. Right. And it's probably harder today for foxes to steal knowledge than it was back in the day. I mean, yes. Uh, but, but, I don't know. It To me, it just felt like another, like whimsifying of like what was once like a very scary and real threat um, i'll buy that yeah you know like it, it it felt like oh see he's just a relic from the past another goofy old spirit in the spirit world so crazy instead of like the thing that i oh, thought was weirder than that yeah yeah i agree the, the thing that I thought was weirder was just, like, Janora's, like, in the library. First of all, she immediately knows what that is, but I'll buy that. She yeah. knows that this is the library. Um, and then she looks over and sees a skeleton and is immediately like, <laughs> Dr. Zay? <laughs> no, I mean, like, how do you know this random professor from a hundred years ago? <laughs> I mean, she she, like... Presumably, like, is a big study of Aang's adventures, like, the gang's adventures. Like, like she she's studied all of the stories of Aang and his adventures and whatever. Like, like, and, and you know, and like... Professor Zay was a really important character? I guess. <laughs> He's yeah. a big character. Like, I barely... I don't know Professor know. Zay's name. Yeah, same, same. Maybe and I've watched nerd. this show a dozen times. That's true. She's just... It doesn't bother me so much. What does bother me is that, you know, just as she finds the information she needs, how to get to the spirit portals, uh, <laughs> fucking Unalak shows up and is like, ah, I see you found some information. And the fucking owl is with him. He's like, he's a real friend to, to the spirits. Like, not like the avatar. And it's like, He's, like, trying to release Vatu, and he's, like, not being really secret about it. Shouldn't your, like, foxes know about it? 
You know, like you're in the spirit. I mean, world. I don't know. I don't even know. Maybe they want Fatu to be released because he gives spirits more power to attack humans. Maybe it's but, like a turf war thing. It's just not explained at all, and it's just not. sort of we're meant to take it on faith that like uh, Unalak has convinced everyone in the spirit world somehow that he's going to open the spirit portals and lets and let all the spirits out, and that for, because of that, he's a hero. But, like, the whole conflict with the library, which we'll get to later in season two of Avatar, is that he's like, no, someone used my knowledge to, knowledge. Make, to make war, and I right. don't like that, so no one else is allowed, and you're going to use it to make war, too, even if it's just war, and I don't like that, so I'm going to take my knowledge back. But now here's another human who's like, trying to release a demon god and he's like no this is fine he's a real ally like definitely doesn't want to create war like it just somehow doesn't make any goddamn sense to me at all like it's it's just there for needless conflict uh and like this owl is so dumb now and i hate it they made the owl dumb they made the owl dumb i don't like it it bad uh, there's another dark and light speech from Iroh. Iroh also says, look for the light, you can find it, uh, but look for the dark and it's all you can see. Is that, was that the wolf? Yeah, that's the line. That's the, you have two wolves inside you, Korra. One is gay. So. (laughs) The other is gay. So what, which do you think is worse advice? (laughs) That one or, or the one he gave Zuko and, and gotta find hope inside yourself? Um, I don't think either of them are that great. The second one is definitely more cliche. I'll I'll yeah. give you that, but it's, but it's like, like... neither of them are that great. I mean, I think typically people people like focus too much on like the words that Iroh says, where it's really more his actions that that make oh. him an interesting character. Absolutely. Like he doesn't really have anything that interesting to say. Or, I know, it's nor a does lot he of, say it in a in a particularly inventive way. It's it's a lot of proverbs, which is why the the joke about yeah. you're too busy fighting to see that your ships have set sail is a great joke because it does yeah. sound like a proverb. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it should be a proverb. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. It. But I mean. I think that the second one, it really just sounds like, you know, the silver sandwich uh, joke where from where uh, Zuko is trying to, like, make up what his uncle would say in a given situation. Yeah. And he says, all clouds have a dark side and a light side and a silver lining in the middle. It's like a sandwich. <laughs> so when you're feeling down, take a bite of the silver sandwich. Yeah. And that's basically the advice that he gives Cora. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's just goofy. And then the like actual plot of the episode happens in like 2 minutes at the very end where Oh yeah. Cora is... kidnaps Jinora. Well, Cora here's, here's the thing I don't understand. Cora's about to close the portal, but then like Vatu like summons her and is like taunting her and then she goes to walk back. But then, like, Unalak shows up and is like, I have your friend, and I'm corrupting her soul, or something. It's really unclear. Mm. Uh, And then, you know, they got a fight, 
and then he almost corrupts Corusol, and she has to open the other portal, and she does. So there's a lot here that doesn't work at all. First of all, yeah. how the hell do you kidnap someone's brain? I don't know. Like, if you go into the spirit world, can't you just meditate your way out of it? Like, that's what right. Aang did. Right. Like, his spirit left his body, and then when he was in the North Pole, he when he returned back to the human world, he was right back where he started, but his body had left. Right, so then he just went and spirit zoomed into his body. Right, so, like, the scary thing about um, about going into the spirit world is that you leave your your human body vulnerable. That's what's scary about it. Right. It's not that, like, your brain could get kidnapped by a demon. I mean, you can die, for sure. But, right. like, how does he just take Janora, like, with him? <laughs> I also just don't understand what the, like, the evil purple waterbending shit is. Like... I don't know. I think he's... Trying what to steal is, their souls, yeah. But, like, what does it mean to have your soul I don't know what it means. Like, it, it, there's no context for this threat. We just know that it's probably bad. It looks you know? bad, doesn't it? it? It does look bad, and we know it's bad because the evil guy who wants to release the chaos demon is doing it. Like, yeah. I don't even know. It's a very vague threat. I don't like it. Uh, another reason that it doesn't work is, like... He's physically there in the spirit world, but you're not. So if right. she just closed one of the spirit portals, he's trapped there forever. Right. Like, all right? you like, have to do is wake up. All you have to do is wake up. Like, this is, like, a perfect strategy. <laughs> but she just doesn't do it and instead tries to engage him in a fight. Yeah. And the, the bird comes and helps her or whatever. There's a bird. It's all very confusing. Cora just continues to be a massive fuck-up entirely. Like, she opens the (laughs) portal. She doesn't get Janora back. She doesn't accomplish anything that she tried to accomplish in that entire episode. It was just a total waste. Mm -hmm. Because now they still have to go to the South Pole to defeat Unalak in person and close the gate. Yup. It changes absolutely nothing. Yup. There's just two gates open now. And now we're missing Janora. Yeah. And and Cora feels guilty because Tenzin's like, What happened to my daughter? <laughs> it's not even a great line read from J.K. Simmons. And usually no. he's pretty good at the dramatic bits, but... No. No. It just kind of happened. He's just like, where is she? Cora? Where is she? We have four more episodes of this. In this season? I think so. I think there's only two left. No, I think there's 14 episodes. Oh, dear lord. We've got, like, Uh, I don't know, like, what else is there left to do? Like, the the thing that everybody needs to do is just, we gotta bust Mako out of prison... And we gotta, everybody book it down to the South Pole where we're just going to do what we always do, which is attack the villain head on and kill him. Yeah, no, there's four more episodes of stuff that is gonna happen, apparently. I can't, I can't imagine. Alright, well, I guess we'll figure out what it is (laughs) next time on Avatar, The Last Korra. Bye, guys.